Hello, Marvelites, who are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 471. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am human woman Lorraine Sink. Uh, Lorraine, you know, we've been talking about different things that we watch, you know, stuff that, whether it's seasonal or whatever. I have started watching Ted Lasso because I got a free year of Apple Plus, whatever the hell that is. Ted Lasso, have you watched it? No, I I also have a like a free year of Apple TV, which I really have not taken nearly enough advantage of. Watch Ted Lasso. It is a really funny, very sweet, really great show. It's, it's really good. Um, I also have been comfort watching, and appropriately, uh, I've been watching the Great British Baking Show. I believe is what they call it uh, when it's on Netflix, but. It's just British people baking and being nice to each other. It's so nice. It really renews your like faith in humanity to just watch these people be like, oh, you're having a problem with your tot. Oh, let me come over and, and I'll show you how to help. And it's like you're competing against them. Americans would be gutting each other. But the British are just like, oh, let me help you with your treacle. <laughs> and it's so nice. Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to say treacle on the show. We are a PG plus show, but let's just Ryan, I don't moving. think treacle means what you think it uh, means. Lorraine, you're getting us into hot water, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want any more of that uh, business coming down on us. Uh, right. The other really great thing is that my wonderful 13-month-old daughter, Catherine Grace, we put on some Misty Copeland uh, ballet for her, and Catherine Grace just started doing ballet like she was mimicking the moves it was is and will be the best i can't wait for her to be able to take dance lessons it's gonna be so great i saw misty copeland uh dance the swan lake it was my first ballet that i actually went and saw in person at the met and she was incredible um people should write poems about her calf muscles oh my god (laughs) she's incredible i mean she's also just like an amazing dancer but her 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 calves are like hashtag goals amazing uh we are not here just to talk about calves we are going to talk about everything happening this week in marvel whether it's games comics movies tv what have you um there's some a bunch of fun things that are happening uh this week that we want to tell you all about first up we've got some really cool news about a marvel studios movie right lorraine yeah a marvel Studios shang chi and the legend of the ten rings has wrapped filming you know simu lu is playing shang chi and he posted some great stuff along with director destin daniel critton on social media just sharing their celebration of getting to wrap the film uh calling out the actors and crews that made it so successful and um i really enjoyed this uh in particular simu wrote that uh they had made a baby. <laughs> uh, we can't wait to introduce the movie to the world in nine months. Um, so, you know, movies and babies have a lot in common. They take a long gestation period before they pop out and make everybody happy and then leave you a little poop. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful. I'm very excited. Very, very, very yes. excited uh, for the film, for the future of the MCU, and, and excited to continue bringing news as things come along. Um, talking about news, there's been a bevy of information and releases and teases and trailers and all kinds of stuff for Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, the brand new game. And oh my gosh, I just looked at the time. It is one week away. 
until everybody is going to get their hands on the new game. Uh, one of the fun things that dropped just this week was that a pre-order perk would be the Spider-Man suit from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that you could wear as Miles when you play the game. Um, what's really, really fun about this, it's not just a, a suit that you wear. It also, like gives the suit um, like the iconic pop-up words and little bursts that you would see in the movie that'll actually show up in the game when you're playing as miles in that suit. It's going to be so cool. I I can't wait. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's always cool to see what ends up coming along with the pre-order. And that's definitely like a super juicy one. Um, next up, we this is a, a little uh, shout out from Mr. Titanium at Mr. Titanium 18, but we wanted to bring it up in our news section. Uh, he said, hey, Agent M and Lorraine, if it was not for you guys at This Week of Marvel, I would have never heard about the Eat the Universe cookbook. And, and then I mentioned it to my wife and I wouldn't be holding it right now as part of her Halloween treat bag for me. So uh, I can't wait to start. Uh, and we just wanted to shout it out because it's a great book. It's written by our friend Justin Warner, who I haven't seen in a while because he's across the country, but still our friend nonetheless. Um, he is a very talented chef. Uh, he hosts Marvel Eat the Universe on the Marvel.com channels, but uh, also a great cookbook. Uh, recently, uh, he made those galaxy donuts, which were so cool. Mm. Just a fun time and delicious. So, you know, the holidays are coming. So if you're looking for a gifty, Get up on it. Um, and you can check that out as well as all of the cute stuff that is all Marvel Eat the Universe themed like clothing and gear. And there's a ton of stuff that's super duper cute, uh, kind of lifestyle stuff as well as clothing. I have the uh, I have the ice cream cone sweatshirt, which is so cute. I also have, um, it's a, a collab between Box Lunch and uh, Loungefly, the, you know, those cute little backpacks that like every single woman at Comic-Con has one of, and men. I don't understand those backpacks from a size they're perspective. Amazing. Like you can put so little no, in there. No, seems. they're amazing. My huge like 32 ounce bottle fits in there. It's It looks very small and petite, but it's actually quite spacious. Uh, I love them. They're really, really handy. But you can check out uh, all of that stuff at boxlunch.com. You can get cooking stuff. So cute. Yeah, and they, they actually have holiday stuff now. So there was oh, the original yeah. collaboration that w was what you got. And then mm. there's even more like Marvel candy cane style stuff and uh, hot cocoa tea and all kinds of stuff. And I know you're a pumpkin spice person. So they got that pumpkin spice sweatshirt with yeah. uh, Spidey. I need that. I need right. that uh, Spider-Man pumpkin spice sweatshirt. Give it to me. Um, also, they got some mugs, which I'm a big mug person all winter long. So... I already have like too many. I have a whole mug section of my kitchen, which my husband is just like, okay, that's yours now. Yeah, we are we are full up on mugs and pint glasses. Uh, I, I need no more of any of those unless they are gifted to me from our friends at Box Lunch. You can send them to me. I'll give you my address later. All right, let's talk about new Marvel Legends announcements because just this week we announced two really cool things. One is the Marvel Legends Series six inch scale J Jonah Jameson retro collection figure. So Marvel Legends, yeah, give me pictures of Spider. <laughs> He's a menace. So that is a an impression of J. Jonah Jameson as if he's a child. <laughs> no, that's just my voice. Listen, the thing of it is, is that I am a grown ass woman. I am mm -hmm. an adult woman, mm -hmm. but I have the voice of Minnie Mouse and there's nothing I can do about it. I am 5'9". There's no reason my voice should be this high and girly. I cannot stop it. I have tried. 
<laughs> this is it for me. You're doing great. Uh, but with this uh, J. Jonah Jameson figure, it's really, really cool because it's in the style of the retro figures that Hasbro has been putting out of late. And so this one is just classic Triple J looking amazing. I, I have a bunch of their retro figures from various different lines and I have more coming. I'm so excited by these. The other really amazing thing from Marvel Legends that was announced this week is the Hasbro Marvel Legends series War Machine Electronic Helmet. Oh, man. Just I, I love that they keep adding to this line. You've got the Iron Man helmet. You've got multiple Captain America shields. You've got Mjolnir. You've got Stormbreaker. And now you've got the amazing uh, War Machine helmet to go along with all this. Like, if you are getting all of these, you can build the really, really cool setup of just... These beautiful props that, like, they look so real, but they are wearable. They're role play items, and they are affordable because this bad boy is only ninety nine ninety nine, and it's going to be available like nowish. If you want, you can go to um, Hasbro Pulse, Best Buy, Entertainment Earth, Big Bad Toy Store, or Dork Side Toys to pre order either of these. Hasbro Pulse is probably the easiest because that's going to collect those and all kinds of other goodies from Hasbro. Yeah, you know what? I just got I, I I just got the Marvel Legends a bunch of the X Men movie ones. Yeah, they're super cute. Um, also I got Domino and Deadpool all of the films, and I love I love Domino. She's so cute. She's great. This week we would like to thank our sponsor, Marvel Mastercard. Start rewarding yourself for doing the things you love with Marvel Mastercard. Learn more at marvelmastercard.com/twim. Earn 3% cash back at comic book shops, restaurants, or digital streaming, and more. And you can earn 1% cash back on all your other purchases as well. With cashback paid as a statement credit, there is no limit on what you can earn. And Marvelite, you're going to love this. You'll also get access to over 27,000 digital comics in the Marvel Universe with a free three-month subscription to Marvel Unlimited. And on top of all that, you can choose your card from one of six designs from Marvel different from different Marvel characters and start earning today. Terms and conditions apply. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash twim to learn more and apply now. marvelmastercard.com slash twim. All right. We are now in November and November here in the U.S. is Native American Heritage Month. So it's a great tie in for a conversation that I had with the new writers for the Werewolf by Night book, Taboo and B. Earl. Uh, the two of them I chatted with a little while ago about the book. I really, really dug the first issue. Um, it's a different Werewolf by Night than we know in the Marvel Universe, but really cool. They're they're building a lot of, they're taking a lot of influence from culture and Taboo is really like looking back at um, his family, which I think is really, really neat and incorporating that into the story. I, I really dig what they're doing. And in this book, we're, we're going to see some new stuff. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to see Taboo take on this book. You know, I think a lot of people think of him as a rapper from Black Eyed Peas. A couple years ago, the Black Eyed Peas collaborated uh, with Marvel to make Masters of the Sun their their own comic book. But I think this is really cool because he's such a deep Marvel fan. And he, I know, has a big love for Red Wolf being Native American himself. Um, so I just think that this is a really wonderful evolution for Werewolf by Night. I think it's going to be really cool. Heck yeah. So the, the first issue is out now for sure. Definitely check it out. And if you need any more incentive, here's our interview with Taboo and B. Earl. How you guys doing? What's up? What's up, Ryan? How you doing? Good. So I was waiting for us to start this, for us to all be on the, the stream together doing this. 
I love the first issue. Like I, I read it a little while ago before we started recording. I loved it. It felt truly Marvel. So kudos to you guys. That made me real happy to read this first issue. That means a lot, dude. You are definitely a tastemaker and an influencer and, and you know, uh, uh, I guess you could say a meter when it comes to authentic and, and genuine voices from the Marvel universe. So thank you. That means a lot, dude. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I mean, you know, Tab and I obviously both being Marvel fans and I mean, lifelong since I was 11 years old, you know, it was always make my Marvel. It was such an honor to be able to take a known character like Werewolf by Night and then give that new mythology. And again, really play to that the marvel strengths and storytelling so we are so grateful to hear that from you man and, awesome. and also i'm gonna keep it 100 i kept championing red wolf bro for a long time and you know even when we did masters of the sun i had my own becoming red wolf with jason latori and when i met with joe Casada, i said dude i'm championing red wolf as the person that wants to bring him to to the masses and i remember joe saying like you know it's going to take time but if you keep chipping away and fortunately, I was able to meet Tom and CB, and I kept telling them how inspired I was by Red Wolf and having Native storytellers come in and, and kind of give them a revamping. And I know there's been people like Jeff Reggie and, and uh, Jake Thomas, who actually did the, the Red Wolf. Those are my guys, and I was blessed to be able to be surrounded by them and their expertise. And, you know, going into creating this amazing uh, Red Wolf and Werewolf uh, comic, you know, it was like, how do we give an authentic voice to Native storytelling without being so stereotypical or without taking away from the idea of being a modern Native and having the influence of, of a modern tale and do it in a, in a respectful and, and, and follow all the protocol to, to do it justice as much as possible. Werewolf by Night has been around for almost 40 years and it's got so much cool history. But what you guys are doing is really cool because it's brand new lore, a refresh on the character. Tell me a little bit about who Werewolf by Night is, what the book's about, and some of the threats he's going to face. Yeah, I mean, jumping into that, obviously, we always want to pay homage to the original Werewolf by Night. Jack Russell. I mean, we love the world. There's even a character named Taboo in the <laughs> in the actual <laughs> Werewolf by Night books, right? I mean, yep. There's yeah. that, you know, with, yeah. but I think, you know, the thing that we really took away from it, that the original Werewolf by Night always had such deep mythology and it always had like these really kind of amazing supernatural connections. And it was always about a family. There was always yeah. a family element. And that's a big thing that both of us being parents we want to tell stories that can be inspiring to kids and show family as kind of for us, both of us new writers into the Marvel universe. I mean, this is really our first book with Marvel, obviously other than the master of the sun, but that was done outside of the Marvel space. So, you know, after having done the one page with uh, Red Wolf, the uh, one page in the Marvel 1000, uh, we got a call from Jake Thomas to be a part of the outlawed uh, event that was happening. And that was where Werewolf by Night came into play. So the parameters of our storytelling were in that outlawed uh, kind of box where we had to have a character that was on the run, that there were other characters that would be, uh, you know, taken in to be kind of made sure that they would not be out of hand. Um, so we, you know, had a box, but at the same time, we didn't have massive parameters. It was more like, here's the things you need to check off. Yep. Go and be creative and come back with a pitch. That was the beautiful part about um, how Jake approached it. He's like, look, I'm just going to give you a little bit of notes from me, but everything else, you guys just go at it. And if we like it, we'll, we'll keep on building on it. So fortunately, Jake and Lindsay 
loved our, our pitch and we just built from there. And, and every time we've, we've given scripts or thumbnails or ideas, they've been very receptive with minor notes. And that's the beautiful thing about our partnership is, is they see our vision and, and they're very supportive and, and uh, we appreciate them so much. Yeah, I, mean, I have to say, this has been a painless process. Yeah, and I want to shout out our, our, our colorists and, and the people behind the scenes besides yeah. the artists that make it make it happen. Uh, Scott Hanna is our anchor, and um, Miroslav, I think, is our Mir- colorist. Miroslav, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, I mean, they're amazing, amazing team across the board. Going back to this character is very derived from a lot of, you know, taboos, you know, um, his own backstory, his own origins. So Jake Gomez, we, uh, we kind of, you know, we, Gomez is, is <laughs> right. And, and, Gomez, yep. You know, and Jake, we figured was a good name because it's like, it's close to Jack and also respect to Jake Thomas, our editor. So, <laughs> you know, he gets a little shout out in the book too. We always love to, you know, throw it to our, our friends and, and put people, you know, that we respect and we love into our books. And I think that's a big part of our, our storytelling. Um, we've, really built this this world around Jake Gomez with his grandmother, who is Granny Rora, you know, based off of, you know, Tab's grandmother. Um, we've got a best friend, Molly, who, you know, loosely based, like I grew up with a best friend, her name was Tara. That relationship with a, between a boy and a girl as best friends, like it's completely like this, you know, platonic thing when you're 17, but, you know, there's weird hormonal emotions going around. And that's what Jake kind of is. Like, it's the hormone monster. We always say, yeah. like, the werewolf is, like, what happens when your emotions get out of control? And you, then, you know. <laughs> then you have the amazing revamping of Red Wolf, a man out of time. We wanted to approach Red Wolf uh, with a different... Um, perspective, the way that he looked. We didn't want to make him look too stereotypical. We wanted to kind of give him a, a revamped look, kind of like Billy from Predator, uh, you know, muscular and just like a dude that that has like this tactical, cool um, accessories. And then his partner's name is JJ, aka Jet Juliana. And guess what? That's my daughter's name. So we implemented that as well. And the cool thing about this story is that Although there's native perspective to it, it's not a native story. It's, it's about, you know, we call it the hormone monster. This kid is becoming a, a werewolf and we're big fans of like horror flicks and movies from the 80s like Teen Wolf and Clive Barker's uh, Hellraiser and Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, all those movies that we took inspiration from like the kooky side and the funny side of Teen Wolf and adding a cool looking uh, a werewolf that was created by Scott Eaton those inspirations came together and, and we created an amazing book. Yeah, I mean, speaking to the villain, which I think you can never have a great story without a great villain. And this villain is so villainous and <laughs> so bonkers. Dr. Eve Mikowski, this crazy doctor, mad scientist. And those inspirations are from all of those kind of old horror movies and things like that, that, you know, we wanted to make great villains. And we also wanted to make interesting villains. And we won't say any more about those three that you see at the end of issue one, but there's something really interesting about them that happens over the course of the story. And in the first issue, we also brought in a character named Pathmind. And that's a fun character for us because, you know, playing with these worlds, we want to make it so it feels like real, but not, you know, we're in the not too distant future, maybe. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bonkers book. I mean, we've got Western elements, we've got sci-fi elements, we've got horror elements, we got it all, man. <laughs> and not total kitchen sink way, not in a bad way. <laughs> I, I love the way Red Wolf handles that dude. And he's just like, Hey man, like we're going to teach you. There's a lot to learn. You're, you know, I love Red Wolf's like calm, cool is like, look, we, we can do better. We can be better. And I really like that. The character. Well, he brings, he brings that traditional, um, the essence of his culture and, and how he's able to just mellow out this modern hype kid, Jake, and get it to a place where I don't want to give too much away, but, but later on down the line, they have some, some really cool interactions, which says a lot about Red Wolf. And I think really quickly, you know, to the point of, you know, while we're not telling a native story per se, what we are telling is a native story in the sense of how knowledge is passed, how you need to respect your elders, how you need to, to respect the information that is given to you, and how you can keep culture and language alive. I think that's so important because we want to be able to share, as opposed to talk about our differences, how do we talk about our similarities? How do we create empathy to characters that are werewolves and monsters and creatures that ultimately we might look at through a hate lens because we're ignorant to how we can process the information that allows us to love people. It is about love and it's about connectivity. And I think that's always a big theme in all of our storytelling um, and in all of our characters. Before we go on, one of the reasons why I, I really dug this book and it felt very Marvel Universe was the supporting cast that you guys are building for Jake. And I'm gonna say this now, if you hurt Jake's grandma at all, I'm going to be very upset with the both of you. No, you know what's crazy, dude, is, is going into our storytelling, I pull from a lot of my personal experience. So Grandma Aurora is actually my grandma. I loved her. I loved her. You know, I'm Mexican. I'm half Hopi and half Mexican. So we pulled a lot from my personal experience to implement that in our storytelling so that it feels more personal so that when we do interviews and we do panels and cons, I can actually say, yo, this is personal. This is something that came from pulling from my own personal life. And I wanted to implement that. And, and Ben is very open to that. And the way we write, we, we call it ping pong sessions. We're like, you know, we're always pitching ideas and, and going back and forth. And he's like, I like that. Let me, let me fine tune that. Let me crystallize that. And that's the beauty of us being in the laboratory as scientists creating together. All right. Yes, of course. Uh, collaboration is the name of the game for comic books. And one of your main collaborators on the book is artist Scott Eaton. Tell me a little bit about the style and the tone for the book and, and some of the art that Scott and the team are producing. Oh, man. I mean, I, I you know, here's the crazy thing. Going back to like being a fan of Marvel since I was a kid, I wanted to always draw comics like that was my dream at 12 years old. And that obviously never happened. But here's the cool thing. As we write this, like I've, I've been working in film for a long time. So always being very visual. And, you know, when we do all of our ping ponging and then I go back and I put it to the, to the paper. But the first thing I always do is story. Like I do thumbs. So I know the pacing of each page. So I understand like, okay, what are we going to have to do? And giving them the sky and then like getting it back. We're just like me at Tabber like, yeah. Whoa! <laughs> I mean, he sees the vision, like, you know, first, the fact that we're able to come up with dialogue and these scenes and these characters, uh, you know, and, and it's all from like just ping pong sessions. But then when Benny goes into his laboratory and starts thumbnailing, I'm like, yo, that damn thumbnail looks pretty fresh, bro. Like the fact that he's gotten better with this thumbnail so that Scott Eaton has a, a, a pretty clear example of where we want to take it. 
and Scott just amplifies it and takes it to the next level. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, we're also really excited, too, because in issue three, we've got a little surprise for you where we bring in Jeffrey Verigate. Yes. So Jeffrey, who is an amazing artist, and we worked with him on the uh, on the Marvel 1000 with the one page and his style, you know, we always love to play to his strengths. And it's this amazing two page spread that he's doing right now for us. We won't give too much away on it, but it's literally the mythology of where Jake and his family, where this werewolf curse comes from. And Jeffrey is going to be the one, you know, elaborating and elevating that with his visual style. Can I just add to that? It's like one of the things that our company and our partnership is built on is giving opportunities to indigenous artists, uh, Latino artists, underserved community artists that maybe they don't have the platform, maybe they don't have the vehicle to be able to have as much notoriety. And we want to be able to facilitate that. You know, I feel like with my music career and now what I'm doing with Act Two, like, I've learned a lot on how to give back and how to be of service and how to give others a chance to shine when I know that they have talent and I know they're extremely amazing artists. And so Jeff Ferregi, he's been with the Marvel Universe for a while. He's done so many covers and he's worked a lot with amazing characters and heroes. And I feel like he's a hero to not only the Marvel Universe, but to our community as indigenous people. He's one of those folks that has taught us how to believe and how to hold on to dreams as artists, as illustrators, as creators. Yeah, yeah, he's a great dude. Tell me a little bit about the, the broader Marvel Universe picture here, because you know you mentioned Red Wolf and I've seen a little couple things in that first issue. What other Easter eggs or little cameos or hints to the greater Marvel Universe can fans see in Werewolf by Night? Well, I mean, so what we're looking to do, obviously, with this first one is build our kind of plate. You know, we're, we're as Tab always says, we're looking to bring buffet to the buffet, <laughs> you know. And if you notice, there's a little hint. It's Life Pharmaceuticals, obviously, is connecting. We, we always being fans of Spider-Man and Venom and the symbiotes and all that. And knowing that there is that kind of world of, of science coming from life, we wanted to play with that and we wanted to like see what that could become. Obviously, fingers crossed this four issue series goes someplace and perhaps maybe we get to go on and keep telling the story because that's that is the dream. It's it's to continue this world building with these great characters. So that's always a big part of what we want to do in all of our storytelling. And and also like just to add on to that, us playing to our strengths is the fact that Jake he derives from music, like this whole music component is, is a big vehicle for this, uh, this transformation and him controlling his changing capabilities. And I think that when you have playlists on Spotify and you're able to incorporate that where you have an actual Werewolf by Night playlist and the Jake Gomez playlist or whatever, then people get familiar with the music and it's a soundtrack to that comic. Just like the strength of being a musician, I'm able to bring that to our storytelling. And it feels natural and organic because that's what I do for a living. I'm a musician, I'm an artist, and, and I love the musical component because then it's like, it's not just a, a comic, it's not just a monster story, but also like it has the musical component that's important to us. Yeah, I want to get into that in a second, but I also, you know, just like listening to the two of you, you guys are so excited. There's so much joy in, in everything you're doing and everything you're talking about here. And I think part of that is because you're getting to carve out a whole new part of the Marvel universe. Tell me a little bit about uh, what that feels like for you for telling the story from scratch. Bro, honestly, I've been a fan of Comic-Con for years. So I've been going there as a toy collector. 
and then a cosplayer and uh, just being in the culture and immersing myself and being in the trenches and wanting to learn and educate myself on ways to be able to just help out and be part of the culture. I felt like these relationships with Marvel and, and all the people that I met at Comic-Con was something that was so organic and natural. And maybe the masses may not know about that, but I feel like this is just me paying homage to my love for comics, for toys, for collectibles, and all the things that, that make up our universe as fans and, and as, as collectors of, of anything that's Marvel related. So when we heard that we were going to do this, it was just like a kid in a candy store let alone to be able to write for Marvel and to be part of this amazing journey. It was just like me and Benny were just, every time we would get on a call, we'd be like, yo, can you believe how amazing, <laughs> how this journey has, has turned into just a dream come true? And you know, of course you have to be humble about it and you have to be appreciative, but also there's a celebratory uh, approach to it and, and just very thankful, man. We're thankful for everyone that will be open to, to seeing this new, you know, this new crew on the block coming in and, and writing. And maybe they might be like a little bit cautious at first, like, oh, what's this black IP know about writing? Or, hey, who's this guy, B. Earl? But it's the love and appreciation we have for the culture. And we'll never, ever bring anything to disrespect or to try to appropriate or to try to be malicious or disrespectful in any way because we love it. And we just love building. And I know this is our first thing out. So we just want to thank all the people that made it possible, like the CBs, the Tom B, Lindsay, and, and Jake Thomas, and now Shannon. We have Shannon on our team, so and Scott Eaton. Those people made it work for us. Well, and, and you know, I have been, in a weird way, always a part of the comic book world and community, especially here in Hollywood. I'd done a documentary on comic books back in 2001, which was really amazing because I got to interview Neil Gaiman and Frank Miller and Chris Clay. I mean, dude, growing up, Chris Claremont was like one of my favorite writers and I got to go to his brownstone in Brooklyn. And I literally remember him. He's like, would you like some hazelnut coffee? And I was like, dude, Chris Claremont is giving me coffee. This is amazing. <laughs> you know? And it was like th those fan moments, but where we get to give back to what the culture is and what's made us who we are. I mean, honestly, without comic books, I don't think I would be the storyteller that I am today working as, you know, a filmmaker, working as a storyteller, you know, Tab and I with our company, we are working in animation. I've been really blessed to have produced a cartoon with Titmouse Studios. So it's like all these amazing opportunities, but I was throwing a networking group here in LA called Comic Book Sunday with Jim Kruger. So me and Jim, we started and Jim's literally like in his one bedroom apartment in the courtyard. And it grew and grew and grew. And it was through that that I was able to, again, give back to the comic book community by connecting writers and artists. And Marv Wolfman was coming to the parties and Reggie Hudlin was coming to the parties and all these amazing people within the comic book community, but also in the Hollywood community. Because my goal was always, we need to bring people together to cherish this medium and not lose the respect for the medium of comics as a storytelling tool, you know, and device. And there's, there's nothing better than, I mean, honestly, Tab and I, writing a comic book is the greatest joy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and also we, you know, we had the privilege to work with the late, great Stan Lee on, on the Master of the Sun comic that we put out in uh, 2015. Yeah. Um, and the reality was just absorbing his energy and his, his inspiration and just like his kid-like appreciation for everything that comics are about and storytelling is about. It inspired me. 
as an indigenous person to be able to take some of my influences and my inspirations and give back to native storytelling and to indigenous storytelling because we don't have a lot of representation that is authentically from those communities. And that's something that's very important, man. I want to change the game. I want to change the narrative. We can all have a seat at the round table. Uh, we call it a mosaic of culture. Why can't we have a mosaic of culture and nationalities and different cultures coming together, celebrating respectfully and learning about each other's culture? And I think Werewolf by Night does that very inclusive because it's not, it's not a native story. It's inclusive to everyone and there's bits and pieces for everyone to take away uh, their own personal motivation. Yeah, it's like that line in the beginning uh, about the melting pot. It's like not just the melting pot, it's, it's something yeah. else. It's, you know, you were thinking, Tabit, you were saying about, you know, who's this guy and who's this guy? But like there's 7 billion people on this planet. Not many people get to write comics for Marvel. There's a reason why y'all are here and it, it's good and, and you, you yeah. got here because you got here. Because I was a gnat in, in CB's. And and Tom, <laughs> I was in there you know, all the time, bro. Like honestly, I'm surprised that they were like, "Okay, Tab, you take it." Oh, I mean, yeah, I, it, you know, and it goes to show. It's like telling people what you want to do, and then having that opportunity to take a chance. I mean, look, Master of the Sun. I got that opportunity because Will was just like, "Yo, dude, uh, go make a comic book," and we didn't have a publisher when we went out and did Masters of the Sun. We just went and did it, and and I brought on Damian Scott and put the team together and. You know, we executed that book and then because of Tab's relationships and, you know, his connections at Marvel, that was the beginning of that journey. And Tab and I, we always say Comic-Con for us always holds a special place because that's where we met. And so many amazing things have happened for us at Comic-Con. We met at that Marvel signing booth, you know, at the table, like, and being like, yo, what's up, dude? And like, I was wearing a Thrasher hoodie. I remember I was wearing my yeah, Thrasher yeah, hoodie. You were wearing your Thrasher hoodie and I was wearing my Chief Joseph shirt. Remember yeah. that? Like, yo, we gotta, we gotta implement that. And I said, yo, I wanna do a storytelling from a native lens. And we started, that was like the birth of our appreciation to potentially uh, work together. Yeah. Tablet, this one mostly for you because you are this like massive multidisciplinarian from music to art to being a DJ to being an actor, singer, rapper, all this kind of stuff. And now comic book writer. How do you find that process creatively when uh, writing a comic comparing to all those other pieces or even specifically comparing comic writing to creating music? Well, it, it's so new, man. And, and working with this amazing talent, this genius, uh, B. Earl is it's a it's a great honor because i learned from him too because this is this is something that he's had his foot in the door as far as like storytelling and being part of the film world and working with his company that he worked with where he would be editing film and taking that approach when it comes to writing and knowing about storyboarding and and mood boarding and and thumbnailing like those are things that i'm learning about you know we know about like song structure arrangement frequencies, uh, music waves, and all the things that, that we learned about in the music world and performing, but now learning these terminologies and, and learning the amazing world of storytelling, it's been like a crash course and, and I'm enjoying every minute of it because this is like my act two, I always call it my act two, because I know Black Eyed Peas, that's always gonna be a given for me. I know that that's my world because I started with that, but now how do you evolve? What does my, my next 20 years look like? I wanna just be that company that's able to, to build stories and build the new talents and new artists, new screenwriters, new directors, uh, so that we can have a, a beautiful future for, for these talented young artists. Yeah, I, I imagine, you know, 
as both of you, as you start getting into this and like really getting into comic writing, I always picture when I learn something new, it's like I have a house and then I turn a corner and the, there's a new door there and I open that door. And now there's a whole new section of the house that I'm just exploring for the first time. And it's like, it's the best feeling in the world. I'm so excited for you guys. It's great. Thank you. Much love. I can't wait to read Werewolf by Night. That seemed like it was a blast. Yeah, so much fun. Those boys are lovely. The book is great. Definitely check it out. All right, let's get into our community section and start off with our question of the week, because next week our guests are going to be some lovely people, the head writers of Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, the video game, Evan Narciss, Mary Kenny, and Ben Arfman. And so, Lorraine, we, uh, you we have a good question for this one, right? Yeah, our question for this week is, what are you most looking forward to from Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales coming to PS4 and PS5? Yeah, you can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel, email them to twinpodcast at marvel.com, or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. You know, I'm thinking about this. I loved Marvel Spider-Man, the first game, so much mostly like there's a million reasons why but the story was so good and it mm -hmm. felt so right um so i really want to see the story how it progresses really following along with miles and where he is he's you know he's moving to harlem he's you know doing all these different things his mom is such an important part of the story here you know ganky and like new villains all kinds of stuff so i'm really i think the story is my f the thing i'm first most looking forward to for the game you know that i'm a single issue voter ryan and that issue is Spider-Man the cat. I care it's about true. nothing else. Yep. Give me Spider-Man the cat or give me death. <laughs> wow. Bold, but I back you. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. Uh, yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, you're going to, we're, we're going to tell you all about there. it next week. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's, it's brilliant. It's really, really cool. So that'll be our next week's episode. Get ready, get hype. Let us know what you're looking forward to. And then now let's get into this week's community section. Yeah, first up we have the Quiet Prince at Colin J who says, my favorite spooky Marvel comic is Absolute Carnage. The art, especially the colors, give off slasher film vibes and I live for it. Each issue had me on the edge of my seat. You know what I know about Carnage? Holy hmm. murder book. I don't know why murder book is the, ex the, you know ex what? the expletive a, that I chose, but it is. There's a Carnage series where he was going for the um, the Darkhold and to yeah. unleash Chathon. So he was all about that murder book at that time. Yeah, he's the creepiest Venom. Um, I produced a top 10 uh, episode of like the creepiest Marvel costumes and Carnage won hands down. A lot of the symbiotes were on the list because they just are some creepy cool costumes but carnage the creepiest yeah for sure uh we just recently did a marvel's pull list uh reading club episode on maximum carnage so if anybody hasn't checked that out go find that in our marvel's pull list feed and oh, oh ryan do you know who was on marvel's pull list this week um do you I know i was on it i was on yeah. it because i'm the, and the you had a guest right it wasn't Tucker, because Tucker's the other host. Yeah, no, Tucker's the other host. Ryan, do you know who it is? I'll give you a hint. It, it rhymes with Mermaine. Jermaine? Jermaine Dupree? No, it's me, Ryan. It's me. Ryan, I was on the right. podcast. Lorraine Sink. That, we, we took a while to get there, but uh, Lorraine, <laughs> yes, was the wonderful guest on Marvel's Pull List this week. We talked about... 
She-Hulk. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that was really, really fun just because I love those She-Hulk issues that we talked about. And getting to force your friends to read stuff and then talk to you about it is the best. Especially when it's really good. Like, yeah. if it was... If it was something I wasn't feeling, there would have been a slog. But man, that was a great series. Just the, I, I really wish I had time to keep reading. Next up, I want us to read Stink Book McStink Stink. So get ready. <laughs> We're going to read great. something bad together. Uh, looking forward to Stink Book McStink Stink. Um, one last thing for Colin and anyone else who was really excited about Absolute Carnage. Get ready for King in Black. That's coming super soon. And if you, if you liked the big... You know, scary vibes of absolute carnage oh boy get ready for king of black it's it's gonna be huge and scary all right let's uh get a tweet in here from megan mccabe at ms megan mccabe who says the real question wasn't answered on the last this week in marvel so i'll yeah. ask agent m did you finally watch hocus pocus yeah ryan did you so i thought about it it was That's... on the front page of disney plus but my time to watch things is so limited like the Ryan, baby only wants to watch Sesame Street. I have Street. lit the black flame candle and the Sanderson sisters are coming for you. You need to watch this I don't film. Know what that means. I know you don't, but everyone else does. So get with okay. it. I, I will turn it does include a man getting turned into a cat, which I feel like speaks to you on a okay. deeper level. Okay. Cats very celebrated in this film. I like film. that. Um we did watch two episodes of Haunting of Hill House. I know you talked about that, and that was way too depressing for me. So great job there. <laughs> Um, it's it's about ghosts it's gonna be sad happy happy dead people don't hang out and haunt stuff right uh let me tell you about a guy named casper the friendly ghost or homer the happy ghost aka a marvel comic from the 1950s <laughs> in no way related to casper <laughs> not at all a complete ripoff of casper <laughs> okay well you know what ryan we're, we'll Listen, Megan, just keep chiseling away at Ryan. I will continue to bring this up well into the holiday season. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep him honest. Uh, next up, we have an email from Jason Kim who says, Ryan, Lorraine, James, aloha from Hawaii. Uh, I just wanted to wish you all and the twin listeners a marvelous weekend. And I hope that everybody reads some awesome comics. Aloha, Jason Kim. How nice. Yeah. And Jason also tweeted us a picture from his local comic shop, Dragon's Lair, um, at Dragon's Lair HI, because they are in Hawaii. And um, he said it's on the way to the beautiful North Shore of Hawaii. Someday I'm going to get my butt back to Hawaii. Um, we've both been in weird situations, I think, at different times in our lives. You you went to Hawaii for like two days. I went yeah. to Hawaii for three days, I think. It's weird to go to Hawaii for work. I, I went yeah. to uh, cover Marvel's Inhumans shoot and it was, it's just like beautiful and everything is like beyond vacation. And I was like, I got to get up at 6 a.m. to go uh, film in an airplane hangar. Like it was just wild times. I went for Capcom's reveal of Marvel versus Capcom 3 where they flew dozens of journalists and their entire company to Hawaii for a work vacation thing. It was bonkers. I'll tell you that much. Sometimes the stuff we get to do is really cool. Sometimes is it's it? like uh, get up and sit in the cold for like 16 hours without water. And sometimes it's like that's an exaggeration. But <laughs> but we get paid to do cool stuff. And so I'm thankful for yeah. it every day. All right. We've got a great yeah. um, message in here from Jeff Sampson on Facebook who says, episode 470, first time listener, long time nerd. And I really liked what I heard. 
I, too, love reading the Golden Age books and have an appreciation for the Tales of Suspenses and Tales of Astonish books. Your dramatic readings were pretty good. And then he goes on to say, especially the range dramatic reading. Oh, my God. Thank oh you. Boy. Thank you. Wow. I'm going to lord that over them for a long time. So How thank you there, you, Jeff. Jeff. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> Jeff says, oddly enough, I just reread that book about a week ago, so I recognized it almost immediately, but I still enjoyed her reading. Sorry for the ramble. Don't get to talk about nerd stuff in my house without people's eyes glazing over. I do have a question, though. Near the end, during the man-thing conversation, Lorraine mentioned a name that I can only guess at spelling. Deadpool's girlfriend slash wife slash mistress, etc. Sounded like Sheikla. Can you spell that? I never heard of this character and want to read more about her. Yeah, Sheikla is spelled S-H-I-K-L-A-H. She is a lovely lady in a like a purple leotard situation. Yeah. Like a like a unitard kind of thing. But then she turns into a big fart monster. Yeah, big old fart monster. The fart monster is is what I have added to it. Because in my mind, it's like, you know how like Nightcrawler bamps? She's like <laughs> and she becomes <laughs> a big monster. Classing it up like every week here on This Week in Marvel. I'm sorry. I did not sleep a lot last it's night. Okay. Uh Jeff, I, I did message you that, but I wanted to make sure we added that here to the show so anybody else who was curious could hear it. Um he also, Jeff added that he just now finished the first episode and he has a love-hate relationship with Howard the Duck. Bought the movie on iTunes and immediately regretted the purchase, but didn't ask for a re- return and refund, so he stuck with it forever. Jeff, come on. You are, you don't know yet. Listen, you need to watch that movie more times. You need to watch it more times, and then you will truly know the glory. I mean, he has his own song. He says at one point, beak me. Come on. <laughs> It's so good. I don't care what anyone says. That is the best movie. Give it an Oscar. Let's go back in time to 1986 and let's get that sucker an Oscar. I like it. That's a great plan. All right. Next up, we have a uh, tweet from Karis Pollard at a Karis Pollard who said, I'm excited, uh, though confused as to where British Kitty copyright at Lorraine Sink is on the list for the union. Uh, Marvel tweeted about Meet the Union characters. Um, I just wanted to say, Oi, thank you for the shout out to British Kitty in the city. She's back in the MU. I'm a kitty. Lorraine is I've also on been watching a lot of British today. Wonderful. I'm watching a lot of British makeup. Oi, it's me, British Kitty in the city. I'm here making a chocolate tart. Follow me on Instagram. Please, British Kitty in the city, don't eat chocolate. It's poison to you. Mew, mew, mew. All right. <laughs> you uh all right last tweet in here is from our pal steve agnew at viking prince who says listening to spooky marvel stories from this week in marvel in my tent on the appalachian trail next to the tree from the blair witch project on halloween during a blue moon thank you to lorraine ryan and james steve are you dangerous I know Steve is okay because i've gotten a tweet from him since so i know that he survived what should be the worst night possible. Uh, very creepy. Super cool. Ooh. I did go out and look at the the blue moon on Halloween. It's not blue, right? It's just a, a moniker. Yeah. It, it, okay. blue, blue moon just means that the moon is full two times in a month. So it's mm-hmm. the second uh, full moon. But I went out and it was a beautiful clear night on Halloween night and went outside in my front yard and I looked up. And the moon was so bright, I went to take a picture of it, and it made a cross in the sky because it was so bright. And, like, my front yard was, like, the lights were on. 
It was Dang. so bright. It was really beautiful. This is what happens when you get out of the city. Like you don't have the the ambient light of of the city like blocking everything. Oh yeah, I see stars, Ryan, and it's not even because I hit my head. Like I see them at night. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Uh, look, everybody listening, you get science facts, you get Marvel news, you get amazing impressions. What more could you want from this week in Marvel? I just don't know. Uh, truly nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Percy of Verlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to British Kitty in the City, the unofficial British Kitty of the Marvel Universe. It's me, British Kitty. Meow, meow, kitty out. Meow. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your Universe. Universe. <laughs>